Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Our Motives from God's Perspective. This is part one in the series, part one of the series of videos dealing with uh, motive, and this is lesson number three of part one. Uh, and I want to talk to you today about our daily motive check. Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus taught us to pray. Uh, he taught us the things we need to pray about in our daily lives. Uh, some call it the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer he taught the apostles to teach us how to pray about the significant things of our life that we need to pray for every day. Uh, these are the things. I call it kingdom prayer because, really, it's uh, it's not just about my fellowship with God. It's not just about my relationship with God. It's not prayer just about my salvation. It is prayer about my my uh, participation with the kingdom of God and who and what I am in him and as a part of his kingdom. And uh, I'd like to read your scripture and show to you how critical this is from a perspective of uh, the, in demonstrating the need for there to be a daily motive check. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says this, and Jesus said, And after this manner, therefore, pray ye. There's the word pray there is in the imperative tense of command. After this manner, in this manner, not, not repeating these words, but after this manner, according to these principles, uh, pray ye, uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, I have taught before on all the elements of this uh, in the series, Kingdom Praying. Uh, and I'm sure that I'll be teaching more on it in the future. But I'm not going to get into the elements of this prayer here. I want to focus on how he ended the prayer. I want to focus on that. Uh, let me say this before I get into the specifics of that ending part of the prayer. While the Gospel of Luke does not contain this phrase at the end of the prayer, and most modern Greek texts also do not contain it at the end of Matthew 6, 13, there's nothing about this phrase that contradicts any other text or precept of Scripture. I just recently checked this all over again. I've got over 40 different translations on my iPad and on my computer. It's the same program. And uh, and I read every one of them again and confirmed that approximately half of them have the phrase in it. Approximately half don't. Uh, that's an approximation. Maybe actually a little bit more than 50% do have it. Uh, and so I personally personally believe that the phrase is there uh, in Scripture. In fact, 
uh, as a conclusion of the Lord's instructions for our praying, it makes perfect sense because it reminds us that before we finish our prayer, we should confess our motives and give glory to God in advance of his hearing our prayers. In the context of all of the scripture, if if this last phrase was contradictory in any way to the principles of scripture, to the truth of the word of God, then I would have no problem with uh, the translations that leave it out. But when I, when I read this, uh, this, uh, this last sentence or last phrase of the last verse of, of the, of the Lord's teaching to us on how to pray, it fits perfectly with everything that's taught from Genesis to Revelation about God, about who we are in God, about who He is to us, about what we're doing here. You talk about a, a significant summarization of all of this, and especially the fact that it is it is indicative of what our motive should be. We need to have the understanding of what this prayer is. We need to uh, we need to uh, be submitted to what this prayer is, but we also need to have the motive that this prayer is telling us we're supposed to have. So I'm praying these things. I'm praying that uh, to my Father, which is in heaven, your, your your name needs to be manifested so it can be glorified. Your, uh, I lose the kingdom of God so that it can come into manifestation, the confirmation of the word. And I lose the keys of the kingdom that they might be used by the church uh, to demonstrate your power, etc., that the church might have victory in the earth. I lose the will of God as it's already purposed in heaven that it might be fulfilled in the earth, that the will of God might prevail over all iniquity and lawlessness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then then I'm praying for the supply of the need of the the workers of the kingdom. And then I'm praying that the spirit of grace and and the spirit of conviction, the spirit of the fear of the Lord will will, uh, empower me to to forgive every grudge and to repent for every sin, and that by the grace of God that I can be crucified to my flesh, that I would overcome all temptation, and that he would deliver me from the evil one. And I'm praying all these things, but why am I praying them? Okay, well, the Word of God says it, yes, but why am I praying them? And why do I keep praying them? What is my motive there? Is it just to get it out of the way? Is it just so that I'm uh, I, I, I'm I'm obeying God? Uh or do I want to be a part of him? Do I want to be a part of his kingdom? Am I letting him do this through me? Am I a treasure, an earthen vessel the treasure's working through? Am I a conduit that the spirit of the Lord is flowing through? What is my motive? What is my motive? When you pray, what is your motive? And I call, because we're supposed to pray this daily, how do I know that? Because he said, give us this day our daily bread. And how can I pray for the supply of the needs of the kingdom of God and for the the workers of the kingdom and those that are fighting for the cause of the kingdom? How can I pray for their needs to be met, for the the needs of the kingdom to be met daily if I'm not praying daily? How can I do that? How can I pray for daily bread if I'm not praying daily? How? So if I'm praying that daily, I'm supposed to be praying everything else there daily. And I'm supposed to pray this last phrase daily. So after I prayed all of that, before I'm finished praying for the day, 
or before I go on to some other prayers that the Lord may be leading me to pray in tongues or whatever. I need a motive check. I need a motive check. Do I do this every day? No, I don't. I need to. I want to. Uh, have I failed to do that every day? Yes. Yes, I have. But we need to do it every day. Because, and in sitting here teaching this to you, <laughs> there's a new resolve coming to me to pray this every day because I want right motives. I want my motive to be right with God. I don't want to do this and do the do's and not do the don'ts and, and it not be pleasing to God because my motive is wrong. I don't want that. I want him to be glorified. I don't want to see people come to church so my church can grow so that people know my name versus being involved with him so that he can love the lost through me and I can be a conduit to see souls saved. But he gets all the glory. John 15, 8, Here it is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So if my motive is right in bearing fruit to the kingdom, it glorifies God. If my motive is right. If my motive isn't right, it doesn't glorify God. Who does it glorify? Well, me, I guess, because look at all the people I brought to church. Look at how fast my church is growing. Hey, hey, don't you want to vote for me in the next election? My church is growing. Yeah. Don't you want a new presbyter, new superintendent? My church is growing. Right? Right. Is that the motive? So that all men will speak well of you? Is that the motive? Or is the motive? Because it's his kingdom. And it's done for his kingdom. That it's done by his power, not my ability. Not my strength. Not my intellect. Not my giftings. Not my personality. It's done by his power. And it's done for his glory. So that... He is the one that's boasted about. That he is the one that our opinion of constantly is magnified. Our opinion of him. That doesn't magnify him. He is who he is. But our opinion of him needs to be magnified. He needs to be glorified. It's for his glory. It's so, all of this is done so that he can be glorified. Not so I can be glorified. So uh, let's look at this in a little bit of detail, if we could here. Uh, a couple of different translations. Ma Matthew chapter 6, 13 from Young's Literal Translation reads, and uh, Because thine is the reign and the power and the glory to the ages. Amen. The complete Jewish Bible says, For kingship, power, and glory are yours forever. Amen. So uh, there it is. Now, I, I, I want to take the time to look at the different words here just for a little while in this lesson because this is our daily motive check. Now, according to Thayer's, the Greek word translated for, for thine is the kingdom. It, it is, that's the reason why anything is said to be or to be done. Motive. So that, that Greek preposition by itself, uh, is, 
is motive. It's the reason why anything is said to be or to be done. Praise God. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That's why we're supposed to be doing what we're doing. For his kingdom, by his power, for his glory, not ours. Now, if you ask my mind, is that why you do all this? Yes. But I don't know my own heart. Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only the Lord knows my heart, and I need God to reveal my heart to me. So I pray these things. And I'm not just praying them because I'm supposed to. I'm praying them because they're true. But I'm also praying them because my being needs to be reminded. This isn't about me. This isn't about, this isn't for me. It's not by me. It's not for my acclaim. It's not for people to think well of me. It's not to make, enable me to think better myself. I'm doing pretty good. It's not even to earn God's approval. It's for him. I said already in the previous lesson that you can't separate humility from right motive and pride from wrong motive. Uh, An elder who was very near and dear to my life and heart, who's passed away now, Brother J.T. Pugh, he made a statement many, many years ago. He said... uh, Humility is not thinking disparagingly about yourself. Humility is not thinking about yourself at all. So right motive is not thinking bad about yourself so that you're doing this for God. But right motive is not thinking about yourself and how what you're doing is going to affect you at all. Because I am my father's child. He is in control. Our father, which art in heaven. That's how we started this prayer. We started the prayer acknowledging our father is in heaven over everything. For a child of God, he's in control of everything. There's nothing that can happen to me that's not in his control. He may not cause it, but he has to allow it at the very least. He's in control. He loves me. He doesn't let anything happen to me that's not for good. I may not call it good. It may not feel good while it's happening, but it's for good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are, which are the call according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. That's his motive. His motive is everything that happens is for good, but my flesh isn't going to call it cause everything that happens good. If I have wrong motives, I'm going to be upset with him a little bit. I'm being facetious there. Sometimes a whole lot more than a little bit people are upset with him because they don't like what he allowed. Because we don't trust him. We don't trust that he knows what's best, that everything he allows for in our lives is good for good. And so here we are. We need this motive check. And then... The prayer continues, for thine. <laughs> that's a, that's a ownership, isn't it? That's a declaration of ownership. If it's his, it's not mine. 
If it's his, it's not anybody else's. It's his. It's not my kingdom. It's not anybody else's kingdom. It's his kingdom. It's not my power. It's not anybody else's power. It's his power. It's not my glory, not anybody else's glory. It's his glory. I know I'm hammering this. I understand that, that the Holy Ghost is flowing like this to hammer this. I'm just trying to obey him. But this is how critical this is. This is this critical. I mean, what a waste to do all this stuff that we do as Christians and all the stuff we don't do to not do all that stuff. I mean, the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. For a season. But we don't get that pleasure because we don't do that sin. And there are other things we do. They may not be pleasurable. They're right and pleasing to God. They may be painful to us. Jesus didn't enjoy the cross. Hebrews 12 says he endured the cross despising the shame because of the joy that was coming. So, (laughs) I don't do the pleasure of sin, which is instant gratification, though very short-lived gratification, and I am involved in things like a cross that is uh, very painful, and I'm not expected to smile and, and just enjoy every bit of it. I can weep and be pleasing to God because it's painful. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. They didn't say weeping's not going to be here at all. So it's all for him. It's all about him. He's the creator of all this. He's the initiator, the instigator of all this. All of this is for him. When we, when we get to heaven and we, and we bow down before him in Revelation chapter four, those victor's crowns, uh, Jesus wore a diademia, a, a crown of royalty. Those of us that make it to heaven and sit on those thrones in chapter four of Romans, uh, of Revelation, and we're given crowns. They are Stephanos. They are victor's crowns. It's the it's it's an allusion to the crowns that in the early Olympic games they would they make a a a, a, a crown out of out of branches and uh, uh, they put it on their head a a, a wreath of uh, of victory Stephanos but the Bible says that we are going to fall down before him and t- and cast our throne our crowns at his feet in acknowledgement of the fact that we didn't save ourselves, that we didn't earn anything getting there. We didn't get there because we earned it. We got there because he, his grace brought us through. His grace empowered us to do what we were supposed to do, obey him. His grace empowered us to not disobey him. His grace did that. And his grace and mercy forgave us even though we were unworthy of being forgiven. His grace did that. His grace brought us through. And we're going to cast those crowns at his feet in acknowledgement. And it says, For thou art worthy, for all things are done for your pleasure. Everything is created for his pleasure. Thou hast created all things for your pleasure. 
Everything is created and everything is done for his pleasure. He's God. We aren't. And, but here's the key. (laughs) This is so amazing. There is great pleasure he gives us in pleasing him. David said it this way in Psalm 16, and Peter quoted it in Acts 2 in his message on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. So when my motive is right, and, and I'm, I'm letting him empower me to live the way he wants to live through me, and to do the things through me that he wants to do for his kingdom's sake in the earth. There is great pleasure in the fellowship of his presence. Fullness of joy in the fellowship of his presence and great pleasure in being an instrument of his power. That's what it means, at thy right hand. I'm an instrument of his power, a vessel, a conduit of his power. And there's great pleasure in that. He gives me all of that because my motive's right. I experience all of that because it's all done for him, for his power, for his kingdom, by his power, for his glory. Now, the word kingdom is royal power, in the, in, according to Thayer's in the Greek. Kingship, dominion, rule. A kingdom, a territory subject to the rule of a king. Barnes Notes says, that is, thine is the reign or dominion. Thou hast control over all these things and can't so order them as to answer these petitions. You're in control, Father. It's for your kingdom. And all that I'm praying for is for your glory, for your kingdom. However you choose to benefit me out of that is your business, whether I get any benefit out of that or not. I mean, how would you, how would you feel to be one of the apostles? Whichever one of them died a violent death, except for John. And according to history, they tried to boil him alive, and he wouldn't die, so they had to exile him to the pile of, Isle of Patmos. How would you, how, how would you like to would you like to be Paul, to give your whole life to this, and end up your head being cut off? What's your, what's your attitude there? After all I've done for you, you've let this happen to me? Uh, after all I've done for you, you've let this happen to me. Then I wasn't doing it for his kingdom, was I? I was trying to obligate him. When I try to obligate God, it is not good. It's not good. It is not good. The Complete Word Study Dictionary says of the word power, to be able, power, especially achieving power. All of the words derived from the stem duna, D-U-N-A, which is the root word of dunamis, which is the word power here in Matthew chapter 6, 11, uh, have the meaning of being able or capable. So it's not manifested power. It is the means to manifestation. It is the resident power when activated becomes operative and does things. In other words, without him, I don't have that power. 
Without him, I don't have that power. I don't have that ability without him. I don't have that capability without him. Now, here's the problem. He gives us gifts. And we can use those gifts to glorify ourselves to our destruction, or we can be used of God with those gifts to glorify him. Barnes Notes says, concerning thine is the power, thou hast power to accomplish what we ask. We are weak and cannot do it, but thou art almighty and all things are possible with thee. And then the word glory, according to Thayer's is opinion, judgment, view, opinion, estimate, whether good or bad, concerning someone. That's what glory is. Vine says, concerning the word doxa, which is glory, Primarily signifies an opinion, an estimate, and hence the honor resulting from a good opinion. It is used, number one, uh, of a, of the nature of acts of God in self-manifestation. What he essentially is and does as exhibited in whatever way he reveals himself in these respects and particularly in the person of Christ in whom essentially his glory has ever shone forth and ever will do so. And then number two, of the character and ways of God as exhibited through Christ and through believers. God is glorified when we let him reveal himself through us. We are the body of Christ in the earth. We are the body of Christ in the earth. Now, Barnes continues to say, uh, this doxology is his word or ascription of praise is connected with the prayer by the word for to signify that all these things, the reign, the power, and the glory of God will be manifested by granting these petitions. It is not because we are to be benefited, but that God's name and perfections might be manifested. Did you get that? This is the motive check. Am I praying these things because of what I'm going to get out of them? Is that the motive for my prayer? What I get out of them? Or the motive is the motive of my prayer, a motive pleasing to God because of what he's going to get out of it. That what he does is for his glory. If I pray for somebody that's sick and they're healed, are people going to say, Oh, brother, right. He can pray for people. They get sick or are they going to praise God because God healed? Which is it? You say that's that's too simplistic. It's not too simplistic at all. That is the foundation of all of it. That's the foundation of all of it. Years ago, we had a man come here to our church, and he for three nights, he was used of God in the Spirit. But every night, after all the miracles and after all the prophecy and all the words of knowledge and all the words of wisdom, The service ended up as a commercial to sell his CDs, music that was recorded for sale for him. Every night, that's what it was. Every night, all of those miracles turned to an offering for money. Whereas the purpose of the miraculous is to confirm the word, lead people to salvation. The miraculous doesn't replace the word. Is for the purpose of confirming the word. Mark 16, 20, and they went everywhere and preached 
and the Lord went with them. Uh, they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord went with them, working with them, confirming the word with signs following. So the purpose of the word is to, of, uh, of the miraculous is to confirm the word, to bring people to a place of salvation. It's not for the purpose of raising an offering or selling your product. Miracles that lead to money are not from God. Miracles are supposed to lead to the fulfillment of the message. That's from God. That's from God. Now, yeah, people take an offer, they'll give because they, they appreciate the show. They'll give because of the show. But it scares me to death inside when some people, including ones that people that I know personally and that I love, turn the miraculous into an offering. The Lord told me, well, I'm not saying God can't tell you that. But the purpose of the supernatural is to confirm the word, to lead people to obeying the message. It is not for the purpose of raising an offering, of making money. So his glory is then the first and principal thing which we are to seek when we approach him. We are to suffer our concerns to be sunk and lost sight of in the superior glory and honor of his name and dominion. We are to seek temporal and eternal life, chiefly because the honor of our maker will be promoted and his name will be more illustriously displayed to his creatures. He is to be the first, last, most supreme, best in our view. And all selfish and worldly views are to be absorbed in that one great desire of the soul that God may be all in all. Approaching him with these feelings, our prayers will be answered, our devotions will rise like incense, and the lifting up of our hands will be like the evening sacrifice. All of that because... Our motives are for him to be glorified and not because of something we're going to get out of what we do or don't do. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray today that you and I will be able to receive the spirit of grace from God. That the spirit of grace and the, the word of God and the spirit of God it's, and, the, and the, fear, the spirit of the fear of the Lord by which men depart from evil. That the spirit of conviction from the Holy Ghost will come upon us and that the light of his spirit and his word would shine in our hearts in every small corner and crevice of our lives and that every door would be open and, and that his light would examine every area of our being so that we can see ourselves in his sight and whatever is the light is shined on that it's not pleasing to him that by the grace of God, we would be granted the gift of repentance that we might be able to turn from those things and that we might be able to let him put in us the spirit of his grace that we might seek to please him, that he might work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless you. Amen.